Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the first inaugural episode of the Brothers Gen Podcast. My name's Colby, and with me today is my brother Cameron, coming from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I hope everybody sits back, relaxes, listens, and enjoys. And if you have any, uh, you know, topics that you want to talk about in in the future, please let us know. Be more than happy to to, uh, go over go over it and uh, bring it up in discussion. So the first topic today, uh, big hire at the University of Texas. Steve Sarkeesian is hired from the University of Alabama as their offensive coordinator. He's going to be the new head coach of the University of Texas. And if anybody knows me, the University of Texas is my my favorite. I've been a huge Longhorn fan for as long as I can remember. I bleed burnt orange and white. My brother does the same. So um, with this new hire, uh, I'm going to turn this over to my brother. Uh, Cameron, what do you think of this new hire? I think this new hire for Texas is going to create an established culture of dominance uh, that Coach Tarkeesian will bring to the staff in the 40 acres. He is coming from the Nick Saban coaching tree and the Pete Carroll coaching tree. He's had multiple stints with Nick Saban. Then he had a stint in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Um, recruiting trail-wise, he's going to bring in some elite talent. He's known He was known for recruiting. Look at the, some of the names he brought in Alabama, like Devon, recent Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, uh, Henry Ruggs, just to name a few off the top of my head. I honestly think he's going to bring this winning attitude and culture. And his press, if his press conference says anything, I hope to see some results in the spring ball era. What about you? Well, like you brought up, you know, his, in his press conference uh, on the Longhorn Network the other day, you know, he talked about all gas, no brakes. Um, that was his offense at Alabama in a nutshell. I mean, um, you know, you, you think of Alabama in, you know, the early 2000s uh, when Saban took over after he left Miami and he came in there, it was ground and pound, ground and pound. It was Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, uh, Eddie Lacy, and then you bring in Sark, and you have this high octane offense um, with polished quarterback. And the the one thing that the University of Texas has been missing in recent years is a polished quarterback. And to be completely honest, the last actual polished quarterback we had was Colt McCoy. And you know, Colt still in the NFL. You know, he's playing. He's doing his due diligence as a as a backup in the NFL. You know, he's been with Washington. Obviously, he got drafted by Cleveland. Now he's in New York. And when Daniel Jones was out this year, he he played. He's won a few games this year. And I think Sark Sark coming to the Forty Acres brings that in. And if you honestly look at what he did. You know, he had Bryce Young, the number one dual threat quarterback in last year's class, committed to USC and you know, Clay Helton and Sark goes out, talks to him and like goes out in person and talks to this kid and his family and he flips and he goes to the University of Alabama, which, you know, USC, Alabama, those are marquee programs. But when you get a guy that comes all the way across the United States of America and flips like that, I I think it's good things coming. And hopefully, you know, with, you know, Quentin Ewers, you know, he, he has a state championship game tonight, and I, I didn't – you know, we haven't looked up the score um, between South Lake Carroll and uh, Austin Westlake uh, tonight. But, you know, we can get, you know, 
a kid like Quentin Ewers to, to flip back to Texas after Herman leaves, that just goes to show you what what kind of uh, man that Sark you know Sarkeesian is, and you know look what he did at uh, you know Atlanta when he was in the NFL with Matt Matt Ryan MVP season. So it'll it'll be honest. It, it's on, it's honestly going to be uh, you know one of those things that I look forward to seeing. And spring ball is going to be that. And we got two guys there right now. You know Casey Thompson, Hudson Card. Those two can. Uh, those two were, you know, dual threats in, uh, in the recruiting class, and I think that they bring a lot to the table. Also, another name to look out for on the Texas offense is going to be our five-star running back that had a big-time bowl game performance in Bijan Robinson. And I think Bijan is going to benefit from that. I mean, look what Najee Harris did this year. I mean, uh, in the national championship game, and I honestly cannot recall in the national championship game this year um, seeing another running back in there it was Najee Harris, and that's another thing that Sark brings to his offense. If he has a running back that is established and that is, you know, doing doing their thing, he is going to stick with them. And I think Bijan is that guy. And you know, we kept, uh, you know, universe, you know, Sark kept uh, the running back coach there at Texas, guy that went out there and recruited Bijan from Arizona. Um, I, I think good things are coming for the University of Texas. Now, it may not be this year. And, you know, a lot of people are sitting there thinking, well, this is going to be our year. No, it's going to take a year or two. And, you know, our, our real test is going to be, you know, game one, the Big 12. We need to win the Big 12. We need to go out. We need to win Red River. Um, that's the biggest game of the year right there uh, on my calendar is Red River. You play Oklahoma every year. They are the perennial powerhouse in the Big 12 for several years running. You go out and you whoop, you know, you put a good whooping on, you know, the perennial powerhouse. It is our time. Um, but time will tell, you know, and like you said in this press conference, all gas, no brakes. Um, that's what we need. We need a high octane offense to run in the Big 12. And we don't need to be scared to get away from uh, what works. And that's what the Tom Herman error was. It's like, you, you go down the field, score a touchdown in one drive, and you get away from that. And that's not going to happen in the Sark, Sarkeesian area. I can already tell you that. Um, Sarkeesian is going to keep calling plays. He's going to be the play caller, head coach and play caller. Kyle Flood's coming in. He's a great offensive mind, great offensive line coach. And um, Sark has not shown that he is scared to pull play, you know people out of the Nick Saban tree. And uh, I, I'm, I'm honestly, as a fan, Looking forward to this coming up year. On that note, some notable head coaching, or sorry, excuse me, notable coaching additions to the Stark, Stark staff at Texas is tight end coach and special teams coordinator Jeff Banks. He is also one of those guys that recruits at a high level and had, and expects a lot out of his players. Just look at OJ Howard. When OJ Howard's at Alabama, he was very dominant. They stretched him. They stretched him out wide. He played a little wide receiver in some of those formations, and you know Jeff Banks was very pivotal in getting OJ Howard to Alabama. And I also think he will help improve the tight ends position and our special team woes at Texas. Like my brother said, Kyle Flood is a very notable offensive line coach. He recruits at a very high level, just like Sark and the rest of his staff. He also develops great offensive linemen. He had 
two offensive linemen drafted in the first round last year, and he's going to have some more this year from Alabama. Um, another thing, we have a quarter, our quarterback's coach is A.J. Mil- Milwee. He recently took a job at Arkansas State, but he decided to follow Stark because he was the quarterback, helped Sark as an assistant at Alabama. So he'll be the quarterback's coach, and he will also be entitled to develop the next great Longhorn quarterback, maybe Quint Ewers, maybe Casey Thompson, maybe Hudson Carr. We don't know until the starter's named and what happens in the recruiting trail. Well, you know, Cameron brings up Bates uh, coming from Alabama. Um, Wiley. Uh, he had very limited snaps this year. He's six foot eight. He's he's a big he's a big target. Um, wasn't used very lot. You know, wasn't used a lot, whole lot this year. Um, now you bring in Bates and like Cameron said, you know, OJ Howard. He's been on that staff for a very long time with Nick Saban. Uh, look what he's did with several of the Alabama tight ends. Um, you know, Wiley fits that OJ Howard. Um, persona um you know that big body tight end deep threat has great hands uh, and the games that he's had he's had receptions he's had several receptions i believe five or five or more uh, over 20 yards or more and i think you know you bring in sark's uh, play action rpo offense I, I think that'll be a great uh, addition uh to his uh skill set and you know looking at the twitter uh, of the players of the current players, uh, the night of the national championship, it looks like this this current uh, regime of players that that Tom Herman you know recruited um, is ready and like waiting uh, for Sark to come in there. And based on Sark's uh, press conference the other day, he really hasn't had a whole lot. And this is as of uh, Monday, he hasn't had a whole lot of interaction with the the current players on the roster. Um, but he was looking forward to it, and I, I'm honestly looking to see um, what you know, what it's what what the upcoming weeks are going to be up. And we have you know National Signing Day coming up too. There's a lot of players on the cusp, you know, that between us, Texas A&M, um, and that's the big thing with Sark coming in there. He wants to recruit the state of Texas, and Herman shied away from going to uh, you know a lot of the um, you know, powerhouses in, you know, the state of Texas, Austin Westlake, um, South Lake Carroll, Katie, Katie High. Uh, he, he did not want to recruit in the state of Texas. And that ultimately was a downfall. And that and the fact that he lost the locker room along the way. Um, you know, word on the street is there's a lot of things that he said in, the, in you know, said to players, uh, said in locker room that he, you know, he just, had no respect. And I believe that a lot of the things that went on this year that were in the headlines were due to the fact that the players wanted him out. And it looks like, you know, Texas went out, got their guy, and they're not shying away from hiring, you know, who he wants in. And um, and that's good. I mean, you look at Texas in the 2000s when we were, you know, we were 10-plus wins every year, 10-plus wins. We're going to, you know, uh, BCS Bowls, you know, we played for a national championship in 2005, you know, the great Vince Young run on fourth and fourth and five, you, you know, those were the years that we had great staffs. We had Will Muschamp on that staff as a defensive coordinator in 2005. Uh, we had, we had a great, you know, great staff back then, you know, even in 2009, the staff that we had, 
Uh, we had Manny Diaz on, as a defensive coordinator in 2009. Went on to be the defense, you know, the defense coordinator at Miami. Went on to be the head coach at Miami, who's still there right now. Um, University of Texas uh, needs great staff to come in, and I think you know the word on the street is that. Uh, Sark is trying to get Alabama's defense coordinator yet this year. Um, they gave up more points per game, uh, more yards per game. But, um, I mean, look what they did in the in the uh, college football playoff. You know, you, you go out there and you beat um, you beat Notre Dame. You know, you single-handedly beat Notre Dame. And then you go out and you manhandle an Ohio State team that beat the number two team in the, in the nation in Clemson. <gasps> And you held, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the country um, obsolete. So if we can get, you know, big-time coaches come in, that brings on big-time recruits, in my opinion. And, again, I I am looking forward to the Sark area, and a lot of people are kind of hesitant on that just because of his track record, you know, when he went to USC, they're looking at that. But there was a lot of, a lot of on him, and he had a lot of demons. And, you know, Nick Saban has vouched for this guy, um, you know, he, the University of Texas sought out Nick Saban and talked to him and Nick Saban gave him, um, you know, the thumbs up and, you know, everybody's saying that, um, you know, everybody's saying that Nick, Nick Saban was going to want him to be the next, uh, the next, uh, Alabama head coach after he retired. But why would you want to sit there and have something to do or, work for a program that's already built why not go out and build your own program but we're going to go ahead and change gears here um to the next segment let's go ahead and move over to uh urban meyer jacksonville in this segment we're going to talk about nfl coaching hires and how they how we think they will affect the franchises to come so first off i'm going to talk about talk about the new york jets all year, everyone thought the New York Jets were a shoe-in for the number one pick, and they were going to take Trevor Lawrence. Well, sadly, they got on a two-game win streak toward the end, and they lost that chance of the number one pick. So they hold the number two pick overall. Well, the Jets decided to turn to a defensive mastermind named Robert Sala, which was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. His defense, with all the energies they had with Nick Bosa, uh, Armstead. Armstead, and just those are a few to name. They were still ranked top five in the NFL in defense. That's remarkable, and I just know that the Jets' defense is built, has been built as a 3-4 defense, so Robert Saul is going to have to do a little tinkering here and there just to get that defense to his 4-3 that he's become the master of. So it's going to be interesting to see how what they do, but here's the big thing. They have the number two draft pick. Do you keep Sam Darnold? Hey, you got a fresh start, new regime, new coaching staff. Do you keep Sam Darnold that was a number three pick overall a couple years ago? Or do you trade him to, say, maybe a Pittsburgh Steelers team, maybe the Indianapolis Colts, just to name a few, and give him a fresh, complete fresh start? Or you build build around him? I think the Jets with the number two overall pick, if they're, they are smart, I think they go offensive tackle from Oregon. Penny Sewell, he can play. I know they drafted a left tackle last year. Hear me out. Either move Becton to right tackle 
and moves Swell to left tackle, you have your anchor. You have your anchors on your outside. Then in free agency, you attack the middle, and you can run. And the 49ers passing game coordinator Mike Lafleur is become is now the new offense coordinator in New York. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to go on there in New York. Number two hire I'm going to talk about right now is well, Cameron. Just just kind of back up on you know you brought up Penny Sewell, so let's let's talk about him. So in college he had over in just last year alone because he opted out this year due to COVID. He had 926 snaps last year and only allowed one sack. That's he an had, elite offensive tackle. He had 1,376 career snaps before last year. Before you opted out. Now imagine if he played this year. Just one one sack and over 1,300 1, snaps. That is an elite offensive tackle. Now he played at Oregon, who is a wide-open offense. You know, uh, there's not a whole lot of – not a whole lot of, uh, you know, razzle-dazzle, I, I guess I could say, in New York. But you build around Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has has the you know the the metrics to to be a great quarterback. He was set up for failure from the get go. And I remember Mike Greeny on uh, goal, you know Greeny and Golick talking about after they drafted him that he felt bad for the guy, you know being drafted in that. And that's Greeny's favorite team. I mean, this is a guy that's on ESPN talking about this. Uh, you know, you build around him. You move, you know, Beckton. Move Beckton over to right tackle. You put Sewell over in left tackle, and you just build and get you get a good running back. Get some get some outside threats. Get a deep threat for for crying out loud. And you give Sam Darnold a fighting chance. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to bring that up. That no, point you're good. Up to you. um, sorry, but uh, you know Sam Darnold for a while there before Adam Gase was hired and his head coach was Todd Bowles. He was cooked like last four or five games, I believe. He was started cooking on the offensive side of things. Um, so, I mean, it would be interesting to see what the Jets do. I mean, they could trade Donald for second round, maybe, maybe a first round. You know, Pittsburgh's going to need a quarterback. Big Ben, I think his time's up in Pittsburgh. So, he's going – the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to need a quarterback, and they were one – I think they were actually a quarterback and a decent run game away. We'll get into that later. But the second hire I'm going to talk about today is the Atlanta Falcons hiring the offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans, Arthur Smith. If Arthur Smith had the success that he had with Derrick Henry, so what could he do with Todd Gurley, Matt Ryan, and Julio Jones? Yes, Matt Ryan's getting older. Julio Jones can't stay healthy. Todd Gurley, he's coming off a really rough season this year. But I honestly think that team was set up to, for failure as well just because, you know, they're a mean team. They blew a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and they haven't been the same since. So the Atlanta Falcons needed a makeover, and they got rid of Dan Quinn, and they bring in Arthur Smith. He's got one of the he had one of the better offenses in the league. He had a two thousand yard rusher in back to back seasons. I mean, he can scheme things up and open the running lanes up for Todd Gurley or potential maybe Travis Etienne in the second round for their I, Atlanta Falcons. Cameron, I, I I don't see Arthur Smith panning out in, in Atlanta, and here's my reason why: um, Derrick Henry made that offense. Um, Derrick Henry opened up everything for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's career was on the down downfall after he left Miami. No one thought Ryan Tannehill would ever get 
the Tennessee Titans, and I'm a Texans fan, and no one ever thought that Ryan Tannehill would have got the Tennessee Titans last year to the AFC Championship game against the eventual Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs. And shout out to my buddy Dan, uh, big big Chiefs fan. Um, I'm glad he, you know, in his lifetime got to see a, a Cubs uh, World Series win and a uh, Chiefs win in his lifetime. I'm sure I'll never see that as a Texans fan. Um, but, I mean, Arthur Smith, uh, you know, his – his whole scheme was on Derrick Henry. Now you're going from grade A, you're going from Wagyu beef to skirt steak with Todd Gurley. To interrupt you, Todd Gurley was a great running back in Sean McVay's offense. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can make people miss. So I don't think it's much of a step down. It's close. If only if Todd I, Gurley can stay healthy, that's the only I, thing. I, I think that the whole health issue, and this is the plague Todd Gurley since his days in college. It's it's his it's his, it's the knee. It's it's his knee. He, it, that was why it, at Georgia he got hurt. I I don't see Arthur Smith panning out. He's he's banking on that. And Julio Jones, and his, even his injury, he hardly played this year. So I don't see Arthur Smith panning out now. The next one we're about to talk about. I do see Arthur Smith panning out because he can scheme things open, create running lanes, and, yeah, you have a cap problem in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, but, you know, Matt Ryan's on the decline. Maybe trade him to a team that has a window and just needs a quarterback. Indianapolis, again, Phillip Rivers, he may go home and make child number 10 to decide to come back to the NFL. I don't know. But if they do decide to trade Matt Ryan to another team – they could be looking at Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU, that's climbing up the draft charts, or go with hometown boy Justin Fields at number four. Well, I I was going to bring up Zach Wilson. Now, you look at all the mock drafts at number six when they're sitting at right now in Atlanta. Zach Wilson is the guy to go to. Now, my thing is Zach Wilson plays for BYU. Nothing wrong with Brigham Young. Had a and you know several great quarterbacks. Hey, the great Steve, you know Texas quarter or new head coach Steve Sarkeesian played at BYU. You know back before they got into uh, our, I guess right after, um, you know Steve Young. You got Steve Young, that was a great quarterback for the 49ers. Now you got Zach Wilson, who's had two years uh, at BYU. He had a great year this year. Don't get me wrong. He, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, you know, halfway through the year, he's one of the Heisman favorites. Um, he had a downcline after he played Coastal Carolina. He had a bad, you know, he didn't have too good a game against Coastal Carolina. Um, go Chance or Shantz or whoever you're talking to, Wade. Um, but um, I just don't see that Zach Wilson is the guy uh, to come out and revitalize this Atlanta Falcons. Franchise. I've heard Zach Wilson comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a great player as he is now, but coming out of Texas Tech, nobody knew him. Then he went to the combine and lit up. He showed everybody his arm strength. Zach Wilson has arm strength, and that's why he keeps getting all these pro comps to Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, only time will tell, and if he's in the right system. But I'm, I'm going to say this, and I was skeptical of Kansas City taking Patrick Mahomes. Um. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. You you can you can compare anybody to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. There no one 
and I mean no one, can compare to Patrick Mahomes. And we've seen this. He was the MVP last year. And you look at you look at a lot of his throws last year when they're off. I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't make half these throws. Um, Big Ben in his prime couldn't make these throws that he makes. These cross the field, going right, throwing all the way across the – to left, that's arm strength and that's accuracy. I mean, he's he's got that. He throws it like a baseball player. He's, he's a slinger. And you know what? Hey, Andy Reid has found his guy in Kansas City. And I'm going off topic here, but Andy Reid has found his guy in Kansas City. And if Andy Reid stays in Kansas City for the next couple of years, he's going to have at least two or three more Super Bowls in his, in his belt. I agree. But here is the biggest hire so far in this coach cycle, if any. We're going to go to Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Well, I'm going to go ahead and take this one over because uh, me personally never thought that Urban Meyer would ever leave Fox Sports. He had a cush job. I mean, he had Brady Quinn. He had Reggie Bush. Uh, I mean, he he had the greatest job in the world being a commentator for Fox Sports. So you bring Urban Meyer into Jacksonville, and me as a Texans fan, I do not want to have to play this guy two games every year. Possibly three. Possibly three. And with all the turmoil going on in Houston right now, um, it's probably only going to be two. So let's talk about Urban Meyer. He is the third highest winning percentage in college football over the last 17 years at 187 to 32. That's his win-loss record. So that is a .853 winning percentage. That's the third highest. Well, we could probably all figure out who's number one. Hey, hint, hint, it's Nick Saban. So, you bring Urban Meyer in. College coach, great college coach. He's been successful everywhere he's been. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. He won the first college football playoff against Oregon and Marcus Mariota, the Heisman Trophy winner that year. And he beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl that year. That he did. So let's talk about Urban Meyer. Let's talk about the the elephant in the room with Urban Meyer. Great college coach coming to coach the NFL. Well, who else was a great college coach that went to the NFL? Chip Kelly. Nick Saban. But we're just going to talk about Chip Kelly here. So Chip Kelly, in his four years at Oregon, had a .868 winning percentage. When he got to the NFL, it dropped down to .444 winning percentage. So just because you were a great college coach doesn't mean it translates over to the NFL. Now you look at college, you get to actually choose the players that you give a scholarship to. You get to choose if you want the five star, the four star, the three star, or the no star, the walk-ons. In the NFL, you're you're drafting. You're trying to get draft picks to build your team. Now Nick Saban, or not Nick Saban, I'm sorry. Urban Meyer has several, he has two first-round draft picks this year. He's got four top 50 draft picks. Four. That is four top 50 draft picks to build his team. Plus, the Jacksonville Jaguars are projected to have the most cap space in the NFL for free agency this year. That's, so, what, the cap space, that's what the cap going down in the NFL. So now you look at it this way. So, all right, so what's the number one question? Who does, who does Urban take? All right, now there are mock mock drafts looking at it right now that 
obviously Trevor Lawrence is the way to go. He Trevor Lawrence is a once in a lifetime. He's kind of like the John Elway. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Just to name a few. Talent of a lifetime. Okay. So do you take the safe pick and make the Jacksonville faithful happy? Or do you take the risky pick in the Ohio State connection and take Justin Fields? I think Justin Fields, if Urban Meyer runs the same system that he ran in college, you know, he had Tim Tebow, he had JT Barrett, he had Cardell Jones. He likes quarterbacks that are mobile. I'm saying Trevor Lawrence is mobile, but Justin Fields is more fa- – he's faster, he's more agile, and he seems to be a better thrower on the run. Just look at his game against Clemson. Look at some of his throws in the national championship game against Alabama. Those were dime throws on the run. I think Justin Fields would be a better prospect in the system of Urban Meyer, but we don't know who his offensive coordinator is. We don't know if he's going to bring his college system to the NFL or modify it just a little bit to make it work in the NFL. So, All right, so I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to channel my inner league course on and say, not so fast, my friend. So you got to look at Urban Meyer's systems from Florida to Ohio State. What was the one thing that those mobile quarterbacks had, Cameron? They had decent running backs. There Jacksonville is not, has a decent running back. He's a rookie. He plays hard out. But he's not the kind of down, every down guy that Urban Meyer likes. They need – so here's my thought on what Jacksonville needs to do. And this – I've given a lot of thought to this um, in the making of this first episode. Um, again, being a Texans fan, uh, I want Jacksonville, Tennessee, and any to fail every year. Uh, but – for the sake of this this podcast, whatever Meyer needs to do is he cannot screw up this first pick by taking fields. He needs to take the first the safe pick, take Lawrence, and then what he needs to do is try to, to get Travis Etienne. And I think if you get Lawrence and Etienne together again, and you got the guy in Jacksonville that's already there at running back. I think that's a good start. You got Colin Johnson. You got LaVisca Chenault. DJ Chalk. DJ Chalk. And you might need to find another tight end. And that is another big thing in Urban Meyer's offense. In Florida, for example. Aaron Hernandez. He had Aaron Hernandez. I mean, you got to find a good tight end. But I'm going to tell you the way I think Jackson – what Jacksonville should do. I think, yes, Trevor Lawrence, generational talent. Trade that first pick. Get more draft capital. Continue building that team. Become a powerhouse in the AFC South, in the AFC. Trade it to Atlanta. You know Atlanta's looking for a quarterback. You're looking, you know, your Detroit's looking for a quarterback. Hell, even New England's looking for a quarterback. Go get more draft capital. Trade back and maybe get Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is the guy Urban Meyer wants to get because he helped recruit him to Ohio State for Ryan Day. So get Justin Fields. With your first pick and the second, and with your second pick, which is from the Rams, it's going to be a number twenty pick. I say you go get an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman because we all know if a quarterback cannot have ample amount of time to throw or step up into his throws, it doesn't matter how good he is. They're not going to be, they're not going to work. Look at Eli Manning when he didn't have an offensive line, didn't have a run game, he couldn't do anything. Carson Wentz, for example, 
Doesn't have his offensive line is depleted from his Super Bowl run. He was an MVP caliber quarterback before he got hurt. He was leading the league in passing yards and touchdowns. Then his offensive line started to deplete. His run game started to deplete. His confidence went, and that's why he's now being talked about getting traded. Yeah, so, but you're 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 trying to compare apples and oranges here. No, I don't you're, think no, so. I, I think you are trying to compare apples and oranges here. I, I think what you're looking at is I, I understand what you're getting at, but here's here's what you got to understand as a you got to look at it as a GM perspective. It's all about the franchise. All right, so you're. Urban Meyer's not going to be successful next year in his first year. It would be microscopic on the percentage of what he's going to be. Honestly, I think Jacksonville misses the playoffs by one game next year with Urban Meyer at the helm. Tennessee's still going to win the division next year. Houston's on Houston's on the fritz right now. I mean, Watson wants out. So, all right, so let's talk about that. Jacksonville's got the number one pick. They need a quarterback. Why not go after a veteran quarterback? Why not? Why, why not trade for Watson, who wants out of Houston? If Houston trades Deshaun Watson, and Mister McNair's list, I don't think he's going to listen to this little podcast. But he's not going. He's going to listen to Mister Jack Easterby or whatever his name is. They're not going to trade him to Jacksonville. Keep him in the division. If they do, they'll trade him in conference, maybe to Miami, that has their number three overall pick. You get Tua, you get the two first-round draft picks, and you get a third or fourth-round draft pick. Help Tua improve in Houston. Get him Devontae Smith, number three, his former wide receiver at Alabama. Then use those other picks to continue building weak points in that team. But we're going back to Urban Meyer here. Urban Meyer will not – he may give up a lot to get Deshaun Watson. It's going to be cost him a lot, but can he live with that? in a short four-year window because the over and under an Urban Meyer coaching for his five-year contract is three and a half years. Oh, no, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, look at what he did. Uh, I mean, every job he's left, he left Florida. Health reason. He left Ohio State. Health reason. So, like, you know, like you said, I, I agree with that. He has three and a half years because three and a half years – there's going to be another health. Maybe there's another health reason. He leaves, even during the middle of the season. But, I mean, it's Urban Meyer. I mean, the guy's been successful, everybody. But everybody said that about Nick Saban, too, when he took the Miami Dolphins job. So, well, everybody, um, I hope you enjoyed um, episode one. Uh, we were going to talk about the uh, Harden trade, but I think that'll be uh, left to uh, another another episode. Um, but let's go ahead and um, let's kind of talk about the NFL playoffs real quick. So just real quick, we'll, we'll, hit, the, we'll hit the NFL playoffs in the next segment. All right. Welcome back. Segment three. Uh, so let's kind of talk about the NFL playoffs. And now, Look, I know this, this is going to drop tonight, and we've already got two NFL playoff games on uh, division uh, championship weekend uh, over and done with. Um, but let's talk let, – let me go ahead and just say holy browns, and I'm not talking about the skid stain in Cameron's underpants. I'm talking about the Cleveland – your skid stains in your underpants. Be that as it may, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns after last week's um, annihilation of – uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, look, I'm just going to say this. Juju Smith-Schuster kind of kind of built a fire on it. He kind of gave them bull, bulletin board material. Hey, one you more know. on that. Karma's a bitch. 
Karma is a bitch, Cameron. And you know what? I, I try to. I wanted to keep this podcast PG thirteen, but you know what? Um, sometimes you know it just just can't happen. But I mean, look what the Browns did. I mean, just okay. Just from my perspective, I am in my kitchen. I'm cooking. Where, where we're doing this podcast right now, I'm cooking dinner. I turn around. It's seven nothing. I go give my kids a bath. It's twenty one to nothing. So like in a I, ten minute span. In a ten minute span, and I come back down, and it's twenty eight to nothing. And I'm like, holy cow! And I go to bed, and I'm like, oh, this game's over with. Well, I don't even remember what the final score is, but I mean, it was a Pittsburgh. It was a, it ended up being a shootout, but Pittsburgh shot themselves in the foot from the get go. Here, this is what I was going to bring up, Colby. I'm glad you brought this up. Did Pittsburgh self destruct the last six weeks of the season? All they had to do was win two to three more games to clinch the first. But to clinch the bye, first seed in the AFC, wouldn't have to go to Kansas City, would have, essentially have Kansas City or Buffalo or even Baltimore or even Cleveland come to them at Heinz Field where you have a great chance and oh, you're high, you win all the time I, Heinz I, Field. I agree with you. I, I think Pittsburgh, I think not just last weekend, I think it was seven weeks ago. So did, They were one in five in the last six seasons of the – Last six weeks of the season, they were one in five. So, here's my other question: Did Big Ben run out of, run out of some of his magic juju, as uh, my boy Pat McAfee says? Did he not go to the locker room at halftime and uh, well, maybe, pack some fudge? I think I think Big Ben should have went to the locker room at halftime and maybe you know spanked his mane a little bit and you know got that juju back because that's what obviously you know I've listened to that episode of the Pat McAfee show and you know what if Pat McAfee ever <laughs> lists this. You are one of our favorites. I've listened to several inspiration. years. Inspiration. You are the inspiration to us. Um, we'll never be on your level, obviously. But I'm going to bring this up. I didn't mean to cut you off. But so the woes for Pittsburgh started way before they, their loss to the football team on a Tuesday night football game. So here's what happened. You know, Talk to any old NFL football fans. Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're one of the toughest teams. They're running it down your throat. They have 240-pound running backs that can run 4-5. They'll run it down your throat no matter what. They don't need a quarterback. But the running backs are horrible. James Conner, look, dude, I'm glad you survived cancer treatment and all, but 30 yards against the Cleveland Brown front seven? They have, I mean, they but stopped there. You got to look at the Cleveland Browns. You got – you got Olivier Vernon. Okay, yeah, and you they got, got Miles Garrett. But you wait. got Miles Garrett. You got a. But they let Baltimore run. Cleveland let Cleveland's front seven let Baltimore run the ball down their throat. Baltimore, Baltimore. They let Baltimore run the ball down their throat. Baltimore's runs running down everybody's throats. Cameron, not everybody. Cameron, look at Baltimore. Baltimore is like the the top rushing team in in the NFL, other than tonight against the Bills. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson, too. And I'm sorry. So, okay, let's touch on the Knights game real quick. So, I'm listening to the game, and I, I and if everybody knows me, I cannot stand Chris Collinsworth. He is one of the – I think he he's is so one of annoying. the – He's annoying. Great guy. Think, he's a great guy. Great guy. He seems like a great guy. Like, guy, you can go have a – maybe have a, you know, a seltzer and – A mosaic. A mosaic. Mosaic with. Or go get you one of those Mokola Ultra yeah. pear cactus infusions with. Yeah, my wife has a couple of them in the in the in the refrigerator here at the house. 
But I mean, this he, is he a made, guy. He, he made a he made a comment tonight about Lamar Jackson. When I heard this comment, I about fell out of my chair here, and I have barstool chairs on my table that I'm sitting at right now, and. He made the comment that Lamar Jackson is a pocket passer. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, I almost fell out of my chair laughing. Who in the hell has ever said Lamar Jackson is a pocket passer? Maybe he was on meth tonight. I don't know, man. I mean, be that as it may, MEC needs to check him. But hold on. Here, glad you brought up Lamar Jackson. Is Lamar Jackson the guy in Baltimore? No, I'm going to stop you right there. No, he's not. Lamar Jackson was a fry in the pan. He won the Heisman. Hey, hats off to you. Lamar Jackson is not the guy in Baltimore. And I'm going to tell you why. You cannot have a straight, a strict running quarterback as your, as your guy. Hold on. I don't think he's a straight running. He, he has shown in the recent years he looks to throw first before he runs. But he – is, I think he's suffering from the lack of outside weapons. Who, who's he got? Miles Boykin, Hollywood Brown. His, his outside weapons, Cameron. Des Bryant. They're Des Bryant. He's got Hollywood. Cameron. He's got Hollywood. Cameron. He's got Hollywood Brown. He's a bust. He's got Mark Andrews. Hollywood Brown's not a bust. He's a bust. He's a. You say that because Lamar he, Jackson doesn't have an arm to get the ball to him. He does. He, Baker Mayfield threw to Hollywood Brown. Look what he did. He won the Heisman with him. Okay. But I honestly think Hollywood Brown is not the number one guy. He's maybe a slot receiver, but they don't utilize him. They need a true number one. That's the offensive coordinator's fault. Go not get, not Howard, Hollywood Brown's fault. Hollywood Brown is a great receiver. Okay, he's okay. But he's a great – he would be a better slot receiver. If I'm the Baltimore Ravens moving forward, you go get your weapon for Lamar Jackson to improve – as a passer, you get your left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, back. You get Orlando Brown. They already signed him, both of them. Yeah, you get both of your tackles back. Great. You Hey, first off, you got to go get a center that can snap the ball to Lamar. Well, yeah, there was two horrible snaps tonight, by the way. So, here. And thank God they beat the right, they beat the Titans. Um, granted, hey, I'm glad the AFC South's not going to win this year because uh, being a Texas fan, that makes me even better. And, and it's almost one year since last year's debacle against the Chiefs. And uh, I'm still choke artist. I'm still <laughs> I'm still getting over it. Yeah, I'm sorry about texting you about that game. <laughs> yeah, where's the Cowboys at? Wait, we're at home like Texans. So there you hey, go. but look, if I'm Baltimore, you go get Lamar Jackson weapons. You go get hey Julio Jones you, hey, wants out of Atlanta. No, nope. go get Julio Jones. No, give Trace McSorley a chance. Look what Trace McSorley did. Go to Matt. You talking about the go to Madden? Trace McSorley. Look what Trace McSorley did at Penn State. Penn State is that where Jerry Sandusky was? Maybe he was one. Of we're his- not even. We're not even bringing up Jerry. This is not. This is not the Jerry Sandusky podcast, Cameron. So get out of your feelings. All right. So we're gonna have to move on before Cameron gets all. All right. Go, gets all up in arms. So let's go ahead and talk about. Let's talk about the Packers game today. Um, Aaron Rodgers MVP. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the MVP this year, it's then Dennis rigged. So in. Here, here's why Aaron Rodgers should just win the MVP outright. So, they're on the goal line in the first half. The gold zone. They call it the gold zone in Green Bay. Oh, sorry. They were on the goal zone in Titletown. And they kept calling it Titletown today during, 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 the, uh, game. during the game. So, Aaron Rodgers is on the goal line. And if no one watched the game today, he fakes out 
the Rams linebacker and runs in. And this is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has done this on many, a many a game. Did he do the double thrust? The triple thrust? No, he didn't do the triple thrust. Uh, but what I'm hoping for is to see a a TV 12 and AR 12 rematch. Then pull out that triple pump rematch. Yeah. As my boy Pat McAfee would say, I got, hey, got screwed. Hey, I got a far jersey up in my up in my room in the closet. If Aaron Rodgers wins next week again, if TB12 makes it, I'm wearing my Brett Favre jersey. I'm a I'm a closet Packers fan. Oh, you're coming out of the closet. Congratulations. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a closet Packers fan. I've been a, I, I was a huge Brett Favre fan growing up. I always like to see Green Bay do good because if Green Bay is doing good, the NFL is doing good. And Aaron Rodgers, when Aaron Rodgers took my man Favre's job, I cried a little bit on the inside. So, talking about Green Bay, they didn't. They know they needed another wide receiver opposite Devontae Adams. That was number one priority for a lot of NFL draft experts coming into this recent draft, correct? That was. So what do they do? Do they listen to the NFL draft experts, or do they go and get the potential replacement for our boy Aaron Rodgers? Well, look, I worked with Jordan Love at Utah State. He was a freshman the year that I was at Utah State. And um, it was – I was skeptical of it. And uh, this is not to cut you off about the Jordan Love thing, but I'm gonna say this about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams. Great. That's but all they, he needs. That's all he needs. <laughs> he's got Aaron Jones, he's got a stable of running backs. But listen to this Alan Lazard, Marquez, Vontae, Scantling. Who are these na- why, no name wide receivers? But you know what? Aaron Rodgers is such what a What was nominee. that guy's name today that, that missed missed touchdown pass and he ended up catching touchdown pass? I don't remember. Number thirteen. <laughs> Number thirteen. But Aaron Rodgers is so elite, he makes everyone else around him great, even if they're not great. And Harris is saying that's what Peyton Manning did. Look what Peyton Manning did in Denver when he won the Super Bowl. I mean, just and look, okay. So Demarius Thomas was great. Um, what's your girl's name? Her husband's name. What's your girl's name? Mary Decker. Decker. I mean, Decker was decent before Peyton Manning got there. When Peyton Manning got there to Denver, Aaron Decker was Nobody. He was he was a nobody until Peyton Manning got there. And when Peyton Manning got there, he was he was great. So that's what that's what the kind of talent that Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, he gives all these receivers other than Adams, who was from Fresno State, you know. I mean, God, that was eighteen touchdown passes today. Look, let's that was eighteen way. touchdown passes today that he threw to him. Let's put it this way. Colby, Brady numbers. Colby could have gone out there and played receiver for Green Bay, and he probably would have caught a touchdown. Hell, hey, I, I got hands. I got hands. I don't got speed, but I got hands. His by hands, he means he's got hands to put food in his mouth. So let's go. Let's get what away. Let's, get, talk- let's get away from Green Bay. Let's get away from Green Bay. We're gonna go to my upset prediction for tomorrow. I think the Cleveland Browns shocked the world yet again. Here's why: you got Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, and Baker Mayfield. The last half, a last quarter of the season has been playing better statistically than Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't hasn't turned the ball over. He's thrown touchdowns when needed. He's led drives. I think Cleveland's defense will come out and play again 
like they did against Pittsburgh. This Cleveland team is the real deal. Kevin Stefanski has done a great job. He has changed the culture in Cleveland. And honestly, he should be the coach of the year. It sucks that he wasn't there last week to witness this in person. But, hey, COVID, man. I mean, T's and P's, said Kevin Stefanski. T's and P's. Hey, everybody's got COVID nowadays. Hey, flu's gone. It's all about COVID. Heck so, yeah, hey, I want to go ahead and back up Cameron on this one. I, I think the Cleveland Browns can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, here's the reason why. Um, Baker sorry, Mayfield, Dan, your run's over. Yeah, sorry, Dan. Chiefs aren't going to win back-to-back. And no one's won back-to-back Super Bowls since the Patriots in 2003-2004. So, it's, it's going to be hard. So, and if anybody's going to win the Super Bowl, it's going to be the Bills this year. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Should. Real deal. We'll get back in that conversation later. But we'll yeah. So, here's my reason why. All right. So, you got Kareem Hunt coming back into Kansas City after being let go. Now, he's gonna, time out. He's going to kick everything out of the way. Now, my buddy Dan sent me sent us a tweet. Um about Cream Hunt coming back for revenge. Now, someone tweeted him back that, well, we never really wanted to cut you, um, but you had to go ahead and kick that person or that girl or whatever it was. Now, now you look at it like this. You got two good running backs. You got Nick Chubb. Chubbmeister, man. And you got Cream Hunt. So you got a good run game. He's so, also a backup kicker, by the way. So so you have you have two good running backs. Baker Mayfield, when he doesn't turn the ball over, interceptions, fumbles, he's a winner. So if you can do what you did last week as a Cleveland Browns without your head coach, you can bring your head coach into the fold this week and do that. Hey, in Kansas City against a hostile Kansas City crowd. High octane offense. High octane offense, and your defense is good. You got Olivier Vernon, you got you got Miles Garrett, and you got two good nose tackles or two two good defensive tackles that'll come in there and stop the run. All you gotta do is stop Clyde Edwards Alaire and Tariq Hill. And Travis Tariq, Kelsey. You let let Travis Kelsey you can give Travis Kelsey all 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 his dude. He's gonna ah. get it, he's gonna get his. But you stop Tariq Hill from getting these big big time plays, then hey, Cleveland has a good chance to win. Here are my keys to the game for Cleveland to win. Time of possession. Keep Patrick Mahomes and that high-octane offense off the field as much as you can. Capitalize on bad throws that Patrick Mahomes has. Very limited, but you got to capitalize on them. Hey, when they run the ball, punch the ball out. Hey, also, run the ball. Play the Saints, Saints defense. Do run, what the Saints did against them. Run the ball for 200 yards with your two stud running backs. Pat, then make Baker Mayfield become a gay manager with the play-action throws that he's excelled at. So, that is my keys to the Cleveland Browns winning. So, oh, so just as a as an update, um, we just saw on ESPN top top play. Um, Austin Westlake um, beats uh, Quentin Ewers and South Lake Carroll for the um, 6A. Texas uh, 6A state championship. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow's games. Oh, oh, we got one more game to talk about. Battle. Uh, we got Brady Breeze. And what are we calling this? Battle the, of the Battle of the Gray Bushes, round three. But honestly, did you not hear the History Channel is picking this up? Eighty-four years old combined between the two quarterbacks. Oof. They definitely had their ARP card. Well, um, 
Breeze and Brady both are very close to their AARP cards. Um, but let's not, you know, side off. I mean, look at look at the weapons that Breeze doesn't have. Slant Thomas. It's Thomas or Kamara. I mean, and you got Taysom Hill in the mix there. And then you look at Brady, who has the most weapons he's ever had in his career. You got Godwin, Brown, Gronk. Evans. Evans, Ronald, Ronald Jones. Jones Jr. II. Oh, and Scotty and Miller. Scotty Miller and Fournette. Hold on. That's seven people. Right, here we go. Oh, and you got Cam and Brake, too, on the side. So, look, New Orleans has the best defense in the National Football League. The best. No, the Rams have the best okay, defense. Okay, well, they're top two. New Orleans went out has beaten Tampa Bay. Two times. I don't think they're going to do yes, this. Yes, he said Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. TB12 program. Avocado ice cream. Anyways, they're not going to beat Tom Brady because Tom Brady, this is his third time. Hey, third time's a charm, right? It's not even the third time, Cameron. It's, it's the fact that you got Tom Brady in the playoff. But also, Look what Tom Brady does in the playoffs Tom Brady, last year. It looked like last week, it looked like Tom Brady and his receivers were finally connected. That's because Kevin had over 100 yards. Brown is finally starting to get in sync with everybody. Godwin until had he t- goes berserk, and and well, yeah, I mean it's Antonio Brown, so I mean it's only a matter of time before he self implodes. But I mean, I I like Tampa, but I'm gonna and I'm gonna say it, and I regretted saying this. Tom Tampa Bay, TB12 program. Tampa Bay Pitney. wins. Tampa Bay is gonna win 35-27. I don't think it's gonna be that high scoring, just because New Orleans defense is high. Is a really great defense. I think Tom Brady gets the ball left with two minutes. Classic Tom Brady goes down the field to get tie ball game 21 21 and hits our boy Rob Gronkowski in the back of the end zone for a touchdown to put Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game against AR 12. All right. So, so this is the end of the segment, end no, of the podcast. Not. No, we're not. We got to talk about oh. Mr. Josh Allen. He is the real deal in Buffalo. Oh, man, I watched Josh Allen last year against the Texans and the wild card. And I watched this kid, and I'm thinking, I don't want him to get any better. He comes back out this year, and he's he's better. He's uh he's ahead and shoulders. Above better than he was the year before. And you look what he got this year. They traded the first round pick for Diggs. Diggs made him better. Beasley's had a career year. Beasley you got received Brown. second team all pro honors. Never did that in Dallas, did he, Cameron? Sure didn't. But look, Josh Allen, year after year after year, and Brian Dable's offense has improved as a passer. He is still scrambling. He's still gonna. He's a Mack truck. The dude's like two fifty, six foot five, rocket arm. His arm. Yeah, he's like me, but five inches taller and slimmer. That too. But Josh Allen is the real deal in Buffalo, and Buffalo's gonna make this. I'm saying it right here, right now. Buffalo will be in the playoffs against A R twelve. You mean Super Bowl? I said Super Bowl. You said playoffs. I'm sorry. I did say Super Bowl. Thank you for correcting me. But 
That is the end of our podcast. So, hey, to the end of our podcast, I want to wish everybody uh, a happy weekend. Uh, Stay safe. And from the Tucker Bros, we love you and I hope you like it. Go Cowboys. Go Texans. Hook them horns.